This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to I'll Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and you are listening to episode 290. Today's episode is sponsored by Prevenex. This is where I get all of my multivitamins and supplements, my protein powder. If you are a runner and you're looking for a good supplement for your joints, definitely check out their Joint Health Plus. This is a clinically effective and premium quality product. All of their products are. This is going to help you have longevity in the sport. It protects your joints and makes them feel so much better, both during exercise and after. I love this review from one of the listeners of this show. I didn't believe that this supplement could make a difference. After the switch from my old supplement, I have zero joint issues and I'm running even better than before. I've also had people reach out to me on Instagram who have been using the Joint Health Plus who have said it's been a game changer for them. So make sure you go check that out. Go to Prevenex.com and use the code ANOTHER to get 15% off your order. All right, today I'm talking with Rachel Schneider and I am so excited about this episode. Rachel just had an amazing race at the track meet. She won the 10K in a time of 31.09, making her the eighth fastest all-time American at the 10K distance. She is sponsored by Under Armour. She ran for Georgetown, where she was a five-time All-American. And we get to hear all about her life leading up to this amazing performance, how she became sponsored by Under Armour six years ago. It's actually a really fun story, a story unlike any other sponsorship story I've heard in the running industry, and what her sights are set on for the future. A really fun episode with Rachel. I've been wanting to have her on the show for a while. She's training partners, and she runs with Diane Newcurry and Sarah Hall, And ever since I interviewed Diane for this podcast, I've had my mind set on interviewing Rachel. So I thought no better time than after running such a stellar 10K at the track meet. Before we talk with Rachel, I want to make sure you all have the Rambling Runners virtual summit on your radar for January 15th through the 17th. This summit is going to be amazing. Matt Chittum has put so much heart into this project. And what you're going to get is 20 plus of the most accomplished people in the running community covering a wide range of specific topics from injury, goal setting, pushing past your limits, nightly recaps with Carolyn Sue, the founder of Diverse We Run, as well as Matt Chittum. And the cool thing is, if you can't make it live, I think live would be fun, but if you can't make it live, you get lifetime access to all the video sessions. Huge. Every time Matt comes to me with a new idea, I am in awe of his energy and his passion for the sport and the community, and I know this event is just going to be spectacular. So it's January 15th through the 17th, and it's 150 bucks, but you can save $25 when you use the code HEIN, that's my last name, H-E-I-N, at your checkout. Definitely go check it out, theramblingrunner.com slash summit, and I will be there, and I hope to see you there. All right, enjoy my conversation with Rachel Schneider. Today on the podcast, we have Rachel Schneider on the show. Welcome to the show, Rachel. Thanks for having me. Excited to be here. How are you feeling? Congratulations after the uh, win at the 10K at the track meet. Uh, Thank you. Thanks. Yeah, I'm feeling excited. Um, 
definitely walked away with that. Um, mainly, honestly, the focus was just feeling so full of joy and grateful to have had that opportunity. Um, you know, the time of COVID, it's really tough to put on any type of event. So Sound Running and Jesse and everyone who helped put that on, it was just a lot of hard work. And I think all of us went into it feeling so grateful and so full of joy to have that opportunity. And um, that sentiment was carried through through the race and <laughs> still lingering days after. Yeah, I'm doing well. That's awesome. Yeah, it's been super fun to see um, different groups get creative and, and make these events happen. And especially, I mean, it's just, it's such an opportunity for you guys. I mean, you you need these races to get your get your times, so that your qualifying times and things like that. So, and, and selfishly as a fan, it gives us something to cheer for. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a great weekend between the track meet and the Valencia Marathon and Half Marathon. It, it almost felt almost felt like a normal weekend for running. And uh, yeah, it's definitely something I think all of the professionals, but you know, everyone who likes to run, like we've, we've missed racing a lot this year. So um, it's great to have had great to have had one shot at it at the end. Yeah. Tell me how far from Flagstaff was the race? How, how far did you have to travel? It was about a seven and a half hour drive. Oh, wow. Yeah, now who did you go with? And I went with my partner, Mike. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah, we drove out together. Seven and yeah. a half hours. Okay, so how far in advance did you get there? I'm just curious with like, you know, you sit in a car for seven hours, your legs are like, blah. Yeah, yeah. We actually, we drove two hours on Wednesday night, and then we drove the rest of the way Thursday. So had a few days, but yeah, had all day Friday and Saturday leading into the race to uh, get the legs up and get them feeling good coming off that drive. Okay. All right. So I want to talk about dark sky running, of course, and Under Armour and all that good stuff. Um, Let's walk back a little bit, though, so that the listeners can get to know who Rachel was before this part of your life. Um, You went to Georgetown, five-time All-American then, and I... I'm super intrigued by your story because it's different than, you know, the typical, like you get recruited out of college and you go pro. And so this has kind of been a longer road for you. Yeah. Georgetown was, oh gosh, Georgetown was an incredible, um, incredible place to go to college, really in love with the team and the culture there. So that kind of springboarded my running. Um, yeah, my passion for running and kind of made me believe that I could compete at a high level. But coming out of college, kind of like you said, I was not being recruited by any agent companies or definitely no sponsor companies. So um, I knew my heart was still in it. Mm -hmm. And I knew I wanted to keep trying to run at as high a level as possible. So um, luckily, Mike believed in me and agreed to coach me. And I uh, was, let's see, I was going to grad school at the time. So busy with grad school and then working, I think, three or four part-time jobs um, to make the financial end meet. So it was, it's, I look back on that now. It was, yeah, I think around seven years ago. And I have so much fondness for that time because it was, it was a real grind. And it was definitely like something that I don't, I think shaped me and my work ethic mm-hmm. and helped me like realize how much I wanted to really pursue running and, and how far I would go to, to actually make it work. And I was, I was just, yeah, I was like working really hard at running and working really hard in grad school and working really hard with these part-time jobs, but had so much joy doing all, all of that. And uh, fortunately within 
I think it was probably about nine or 10 months after um, graduating from Georgetown, I had yeah that nine month span of doing all that and then um, finished, I think, third at the U.S. Indoor National Championships. And um, I missed making the world team by 0.01 second in the 1500 that outdoor season. And it was right around then that Under Armour um, signed me. So it all kind of panned out well. And now I've been with Under Armour for over six years. Yeah. Talk to me about the Under Armour sponsorship and the relationship when they, when you connected with them after you missed that world team by the 0.01 seconds, how did that, was it an agent that connected you? I'm always super interested to hear how these, these things work out. Yeah, my, this is actually a totally different story than probably any other professional runners. Oh, Um, cool. I love that. (laughs) Yeah, it's a little untraditional. But um, I was working one of my jobs is working at the Georgetown running company. And some Under Armour executives came into the running store to check it out and to figure out how they wanted to use the space to market the Under Armour Mm. shoes that were coming out. Mm -hmm. And I happened to be working when they came in. And this wonderful woman, uh, Georgina, was there and we started talking and we're obviously talking about running and I kind of told her where I was at and she was just so kind and gave me her business card and told me to keep her to keep me to keep her updated on where I was and I shot her an email and she forwarded it to the run marketing department at Under Armour and because of Georgina and because of me kind of reaching out, um, they ended up signing me to my first deal. So that's when I actually reached out to an agent company to help me figure out how that first contract should look um, and reached out to Total Sports and Stephen Haas became my mm-hmm. agent. Mm-hmm. And that was actually the first uh, the first way I got sponsored. Wow. Um, or reached out my first deal. So a little serendipitous there, but yeah. Well, that <laughs> and- is so cool. Yeah, it's a little untraditional for sure. And, and then actually after that, it was, it was, that happened right before the U.S. Indoor Championships. And then a few months later, the U.S. Outdoor Championships, where I finished fifth and just making, just, just missed making that world team. So um, I think it was, it was a good thing for everyone all around. So had you already reached out though, before you just missed making the team? Yes. Yes. I was already sponsored by them at that point. Okay. Okay. I feel like I should know that, but it's, it's kind of hard to find online actually. So I'm so excited that you shared that story. That's so cool. I also think it's like a huge testament for like believing like you are where you're supposed to be. You were working all these part-time jobs. You're still pursuing running. You're in grad school. But at the same time you get a, you know, you, you talk to these Under Armour people and there's that like like, why not me kind of like, why not reach out deal going? Yeah. And that's so cool. And I think that that's encouragement to people because uh, you you could have just been like, eh, they probably, she probably didn't really mean it, but you went out and you contacted anyway. Yeah, exactly. I, I think there's a lot to being proactive and kind of, you know, making, making some of the steps in your journey in the, in the ways that you need to, um, but yeah, I look back on that and that was definitely a, a cool 
special time. Now, in college, you specialized in the eight, the 800 and the 1500, um, and we've seen you kind of move up to the 5K and now the 10K. When did that progression kind of start taking place? Yeah, I definitely would have boxed myself in as a 1500 who dabbled in the 800 mm. in college. <laughs> I have I look back and I'm really blessed the way that my coaches have like developed me really gradually over time. Um, the 5K, I think my first couple of 5Ks now were probably three years ago, two or three years ago. And it wasn't something I thought I would ever be that excited about. But um, yeah, we really worked on my strength training and volume and, and kind of developing um, that side of fitness. And I have almost been surprised how much I've loved moving up into the 5k and coming off this weekend a little surprised how much I really enjoyed running or racing that 10k and and totally looking forward to doing more of those but yeah from from my past way more of a 1500 1500 runner so who was it that was like Rachel it's time to try the 10k (laughs) I think it's something that we've kind of had our eyes set on now for a little bit um Mike and I had talked about doing one at the first Stanford meet, which would have been early this April. Um, obviously that got canceled, but I've, uh, yeah, I've been excited to kind of test my strength, um, in the 10 K and even in distances further than that. Um, we do, yeah, again, my training is, is pretty high volume and, um, long, long workouts. So for a while now, people close to me have said like, you should totally like try 10 K and a half marathon and, um, it's not something I'm resistant to, but I think I've always really enjoyed those middle distance events. So I haven't been in a rush to try those out, but yeah, the 10 K was a lot of fun. So I, I'm excited to keep, keep doing those in the near future. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay. So you've mentioned Mike a few times. I know that was your, your coach, um, at Georgetown when you finished up and you kind of followed him to Flagstaff. But what does that look like now that the Dark Sky Distance Group is is happening in Flagstaff as well? Yeah, Mike's been my coach now for eight and a half years. Um, and the Dark Sky Distance Group, which is exciting, that's finally been announced. I feel like that's been in the works for a little bit now, um, is a fairly big group now. And they're coached by Stephen Haas and Shayla Houlihan. Um, I'm associated with it through Under Armour and try to sync up with them here and there. But Mike continues to coach me. And yeah, the two of us have been working together. Yeah, eight and a half years. So, oh, so much gratitude and appreciation for the the steps he's taken with me in this journey. Yeah. Okay. So that's what I was wondering, because I know on your Instagram profile, it doesn't say you're part of the group, but I kind of associated you with them because you run for Under Armour. Oh, yeah, chief. I haven't even looked at my Instagram profile thing. Um, <laughs> I don't know if that, that wasn't necessarily intentional. But but yeah, kind of we we worked it out. So um, I'm, I'm a little different than everyone else. In okay. The in the sense that, yeah, being coached by Mike, but still uh, still syncing up with the dark sky distance group and helping them out in, in ways that I can, but okay. mainly focused on 
my training and the specific goals I'm going after right now. Gotcha. Okay. I can't be the only one that assumed that, oh, she's part of the dark sky group. But then I went and I was like, but is she? I don't know. Um, And then I looked at the (laughs) results of the 10K at the track meet and like some people had dark sky on it, but some people didn't. Um, But the cool thing is a lot of Under Armour athletes in that top 10. That's exciting. Oh my gosh. It's so exciting. It's, 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 really exciting to see the way that Under Armour is growing in the sport yeah. um, on all levels, like professionally, but I mean, all over, they're really invested a lot in the run, um, the run world right now. And, and it's also, it's so cool to see them invest in forming an elite running group in Flagstaff and they've got awesome, awesome people leading it and incredible people on the team. And um, yeah, I'm sure you saw Winnie Kaladi just joined mm-hmm. or that was just announced. Um, leading into the track meet and getting to uh, getting to race with her and Sharon and Emily Durgan at the track meet was it was so much fun. So it's exciting. It's an exciting time for Under Armour. Yeah, going back to you signing six years ago, I'm if I'm being honest, I had no idea you were you had been with them for that long, <clears throat> and so you must have been really one of the first distance runners sponsored by Under Armour. Yeah, it was. I was. It's been a really amazing thing to witness how much they've grown in these six years. Um, yeah, so that's true. I was one of the first distance people. Um, Natasha Hastings had been with them before I got there, but okay, um, obviously she's on the sprint side. So. Yeah, and then another athlete I've interviewed for under that runs with Under Armour is Aisha Pratt-Lear, and I kind of felt like when I interviewed her even that she was one of the first um athletes you know distance athletes sponsored by them but you were you were really an OG yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) so tell me a little bit more about this 10k I want to hear the details like what were your goals going into the race like did you have your mindset on the win or did you have your mindset on I want to get that Olympic standard uh neither actually really (laughs) yeah yeah I I think I was a little bit more internally focused than on outcomes going into this race. I had not been in a race in almost 10 months. And my last outdoor track meet or track race had been, I think, 14 months before that in Doha. So wow, um, this was, yeah, yeah, it's been, it's been a while. And in that time, I had gone through a long injury over the summer. So, um, yeah, we were more so just focused on really getting back out there and obviously I kind of knew that I was in pretty pretty decent shape and wanted to go out with that lead crew but I the goals I had going in and throughout the race were really just focusing on myself and competing we talked about you know just trying to beat as many people as we could and you know just running a tough race and kind of getting that feel back but wasn't necessarily shooting for um, getting any standards or, or, you know, the win outside of just trying to compete. But yeah, that was, uh, it was really, it was really special getting to line up with such a phenomenal field of women and, and also really incredible to have Dana Giordano and Emily Lapari set a, set a fast pace from the beginning. So mm. it was, it was cool to be in that. Yeah. When in the race did you know, wow, I'm having a day? You know, probably with about a mile to go. Hmm. Uh, I was when I was like, oh, this race is kind of it's almost over, and 
the mile is my event. So just focus on each lap at a time now. Mm. And, you know, you're right there with the leaders and see what you can do at the end. <laughs> the mile's my event, but here I am doing a 10K on the track. <laughs> Did it feel really long? Yeah, for- I mean, I know your workouts have been like super intense, but like that's a lot of laps when you're used to being a 1500 meter runner. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. I thought it would feel longer than it did. I, most of the workouts that I do are are much longer than six miles of work. Mm -hmm. So, um, I don't think it felt long in terms of having to grind for that long, but it did feel different in the sense of, you know, the 1500 or the 5k just goes out faster and there's a higher intensity and I think a higher like energy throughout the race. So it felt different in that sense of just really relaxing into that pace for a long amount of time before feeling like, okay, this is where we like, come on now. Yeah. Okay. So talk to us about those workouts you mentioned that are a lot more work than six miles of work. Um, how have you progressed into those bigger, more monstrous? I think that's probably a good term for it. Workouts. Um, really incrementally we've, totally I I think back to like my high school years of not running much at all Mm. into starting into college probably you know running 40 to 45 miles a week and just slowly building up both the volume of weekly mileage and then the volume in workouts so um there's nothing I can't really look back and be like oh there's like a huge jump or all of a sudden just decided to start doing 12 by mile it's it's all been a really gradual gradual growth which I think has also been great with being healthy for the most part outside of this little injury this summer but um but yeah consistency and incremental growth over years has been really key in in the building into some of these bigger workouts yeah tell us about the injury yeah this summer is tough um yeah for the first time ever I I had Achilles tendonitis which I've I've never dealt with any tendon issues in the past so that was totally new for me and, and a bit of a roller coaster. So uh, totally have increased empathy for people dealing with with tendons or, or any injuries for sure. But yeah, it was it was a bit touch and go there for almost three months. Well, yeah, and especially this year in 2020, like not a good year to have something that's going to mess with your mental health, right? How did you handle that? Yeah, I agree. It was, I, the first four months of the pandemic was fortunately really healthy and, and mm. running some of the biggest volume weeks of, of my career. So that was that was great for me mentally. Um, but even through the injury, you know, I'm so grateful to have such an incredible support system here and have amazing relationships here that I think just really ground me and, and provide so much love and joy outside of running that um, even when running's not going well, I'm honestly have so much to be thankful for and, and so much happiness in my life outside of running. Um, so mentally it was obviously tough to be away from running and, and not as fun cross training, but I am, yeah, pretty grounded and have an amazing foundation of, of love and support. So that's got awesome. through it just fine. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. You said you were, um, running your, you know, really high mileage and doing really well at the beginning of the pandemic. I'm curious, what were you planning to do at the trials this summer before everything got moved? Yeah, before things changed, I 
definitely would have done the 5k. Okay. Um, that is at the end of the trial. So, you know, nothing to lose there. I think the question was whether or not I would have done the 1500 mm. um, before the 5k. So we never, as part of that was just kind of waiting to see how the season progressed and what we thought the best shot at making the team would be. So either 15 and 5k or the, just the 5k. Wow. How much a shift now are, I mean, do you, are you going to be specializing in the 10k now? You did just run, what was it? The eighth fastest all-time American 10k. Yeah. Um, we'll see. We'll see. I definitely am looking forward to doing more 10ks down the road and, and for sure in the near future too. So, okay. I don't, I don't know. I think more so I'm, I'm less inclined to put myself in a box. Like I uh-huh. used to, I used to like, be like, Oh, I'm a miler. Like that's my event. But now I'm, I'm having so much fun in, in a lot of different distances. And, and I'm also excited to try distances that I have yet to. So um, I would just love to keep that those doors open and not, not put myself into, into a one event specialist. Oh, I love that. I just heard, who was it? Oh, I was t- yesterday I talked to, I already mentioned him once in this podcast, but I was talking to Rory Linkletter about this. And he was talking about, you know, how coach Ben Rosario at, at NAZ Elite does a really good job with doing exactly that, not boxing people into just like one specialty. And even though a lot of that team, you know, you see them running marathons, then you go see them at meets like the one we just had running 10Ks. So I think that seems to be like a really healthy way to view, I mean, not just the sport, but just like life in general, right? Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's so true. NAZ Elite does a phenomenal job of really diversifying their profiles and events. And I mean, gosh, what their women's team just did at the track meet, um, especially Kellen and Steph in the midst of marathon training, hitting that Olympic standard and, and Danny setting a huge one minute PR is, is such a testament to their, to their program. And, and I, I do believe they have a really great open mindset in terms of, you know, what they're going after and what they're end up being really good at so yeah I think there's definitely some some positive some good takeaways from that yeah so don't box box yourself in people there's a lot out there that's a that's a really cool way to think about life now I know you run with Diane Newcurry and Sarah Hall sometimes uh do you get out and run who else do you get out and run with in the Flagstaff communities I mean dark sky obviously but yeah who are some of your favorites to run with yeah oh my gosh Sarah Hall and Diana Curry have been just such positive people in my life, absolutely within the sport of running, but their friendship far outside of running as well. Like this, they've, they've had, yeah, just huge impacts on me. And it's been so, so fun to sync up with them a lot, especially throughout the pandemic. Those have kind of been my, my people. And and we put, put in a lot of miles together and and a lot of cross training together. So um, they're, two people I consider teammates and mm. outside of outside of them and with dark sky and I uh, love love the people on NAZ elite so occasionally run with them uh, I have an awesome friend in town named Colin Schultz who's also an up-and-coming runner look out for him um, he's very young in his career but mm, okay he's been yeah he's been really really fun to sync up with a lot as well so and then I mean, gosh, Flagstaff is just such a hotbed of runners that all these teams come in for altitude training camps. And when my friends are here, I definitely enjoy getting to run with them. And it's 
it's it's an incredible community. So lots of lots of wonderful people and people with incredible mindsets to be around. I love that you call Diane and Sarah your teammates, even though you are like not sponsored by the same brand. Don't even run this, you know, race the same distances right now. That's so cool. Yeah, they're they're people. They're lifelong teammates. That's for yes, sure. I love that lifelong teammates. That's such a good concept too. Look at Rachel coming with all the all the inspirational knowledge because. <laughs> I say this to my kids all the time. I'm like, we're on the same team. You know, when like people are getting mad and angry, that's the term I use. I'm like, we're on each other's team. And so I love the concept of like lifelong teammates. That's so cool. Tell me a little bit more about running with Diane and Sarah, though, because they are marathoners. And um, I know obviously they do the half too, but well, and Sarah's probably going to come do the 10k at the track trials but like what has that factored into beefing up your workouts to become a stronger 10k runner gosh you know i i wouldn't say we've altered training to like sync up or or to match up with them Mm -hmm. it's more like when the three of us can or when two of us can at the same time overlap our training then um then we do but i absolutely take a lot of inspiration from their longevity in this sport. Mm-hmm. Like they are so strong and so fast and they're like just great, great role models for anyone, honestly, to have a healthy life, like healthy long-term relationship with, with running and competing. So, um, so I've, I've looked to them and I'm inspired by them a lot in that area. And then absolutely love, um, love running with them and love trying to hold on, hold on to them in some of their longer workouts as well. But Yeah, we've got a great, great little thing going. Hey, everybody, a quick break here to thank a sponsor for this episode. This episode is sponsored by HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. HelloFresh lets you skip those trips to the grocery store and makes home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. I love HelloFresh. When I get a HelloFresh delivery, I am so excited because I've got three nights of meals that week that I don't have to do any planning for. My favorite dish is an Israeli couscous dish, but let me tell you, most recently, they sent a barbecue cheese quesadilla dish, and it was so good. Flavors I would have never thought to put together on my own, and that's one of my favorite things about HelloFresh is that you come up with new ideas. They're always changing the game and changing up their recipes. It's so good. So the recipes are easy to follow with simple steps and pictures to guide you along the way. And over 90% of ingredients are sourced directly from growers to ensure peak flavor and ripeness. Feeding the whole family has never been easier with lower prices for larger box sizes. So more servings means more savings. So one of the things I love is that you can easily change your delivery days or meal plan preferences and skip a week whenever you need right on their app. So go to hellofresh.com slash 80another and use the code 80another to get $80 off, including free shipping. Again, go to hellofresh.com slash 80another and use the code 80another to get $80 off, including free shipping. Thank you, HelloFresh, for supporting this podcast. And while I have you all still here, don't forget I started a parenting podcast 
It's a great little show. We've got 12 episodes so far. I've had conversations with experts and everyday parents. And my hope is that that show just arms you with knowledge as a parent or someone helping raise kids to be empowered and feel not so alone in the whole parenting situation. It's definitely been uplifting to me and I hope it's uplifting to you. You can find that in any podcast app. It's called Why Is Everyone Yelling? We also have an Instagram page for that. It's also called Why Is Everyone Yelling? All right, friends, enjoy the rest of my conversation with Rachel Schneider. You know, you mentioned going into the 10K uh, when I asked you if you were trying to get the win, trying to get the qualifier, and um, you said you were more internally focused. So what? let's talk about that mindset a little bit more. Is that something that's that's new to you, or is that something you've always been focused on? It's something I've always tried to be focused on, um, but it's not something I'm always great at. Mm. I would, if I, yeah, there's, there's lots of ups and flows, I think, throughout my past with running where I'm really dialed in to the mindset that I value. And then other times where I think I get distracted and can be off course and, and focus too much on external external things. And, and it's more trying recently to develop an awareness of when I am being distracted or pulled away from my own personal goals and my personal relationship with the sport and um, trying to protect that more rather than especially going into an Olympic year. Like I think, you know, a lot of people are going to define success Mm -hmm. as making that Olympic team. And while I think, you know, that's, absolutely a goal that I have and something that would be just an incredible uh yeah obviously hoping to working to make that Olympic team but I also want to be really conscientious of the ways that I'm defining success especially going into this year where I think externally it's going to be like make the team or bust mentality and I just don't want to buy into that so I I, I sometimes I'm really good at, at being internally focused and internally driven. And then other times I think I can kind of get caught up on these outside factors that, um, that I actually don't run as well when I'm focused on what other people are saying or doing or thinking or playing that comparison game. So it's, it's something of, of trying to do some like deep work on a lot through this pandemic and, um, yeah, I think the 10K, I, I absolutely felt and practiced that. And, um, yeah, it was, that was, it was a good, good place to practice that before, uh, some of these meets coming up in 2021 where there'll be some, some probably bigger things on the line. Yeah, it worked really well for you. What do you read or listen to or what inspires you to do that work? Oh, gosh. I have lots of lists of books and podcasts that um, do this work. I I love reading. It's the main way I spend my time outside of running. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah, we don't have a TV in the house and and I'm not not really watching um, or I'm not not really spending time watching shows. So the way I kind of fill those hours between training is is with reading and um, and then listening to podcasts. But Oh gosh, I yeah, lot lot of lot of different books that have helped me through this or with this. 
Would you recommend that we all get rid of our TVs? <laughs> um, I'm going to leave that up to, you, uh, to the individual. I don't know. I've, I've never actually really had a TV, so I can't, can't say one way or another. But Growing up, you yeah. didn't? Your family didn't have a TV? We, we had a box TV that had about six TV channels. I can't even tell you what they were. There's nothing good on them. Um, <laughs> no TGIF. <laughs> oh, I've, I've heard of yeah, TGIF done familiar, but we had, we had movies. We had movies and that's about it. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say TGIF might've been a little bit before your time. I mean, I feel like that was like prime when I was a kid, step-by-step step, family matters. I don't know if family matters was on TGIF, but yeah, you might've been just a little bit too young for that. Um, I find that so interesting. You know, I, I really was not into TV at all until I think until I had kids, honestly, because now once I get my kids to bed, I'm like, I just want to watch something terrible that's like not going to like make me have to think about anything. It's just my time to zone out. Um, Yes. I remember in college, even though like my friends and roommates, they would always watch these shows. I feel like the OC and shows like that were popular. And I was always like, why are you doing this with your time? Why are you spending time watching these other people live their lives? But but now at 37, here I am watching The Bachelorette. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, sometimes that's what you need though. Like those mindless, just relaxing, yep, don't have to like think things. So uh, absolutely. And and I should say, I my, my friend bought me the Friends DVDs Okay. Um, when I was in high school. So I, I grew up watching Friends. Oh, so. I love Friends. Absolutely. <laughs> Me too. You know, what's, um, you know what's weird, though, is when you watch Friends now, like if you catch it on TV or something, you're like, oh, my gosh. Well, at least for me, I'm like, they're like 10 years younger than I am right now in this show. And I, you know, watched it growing up and they seemed so old. Yep. Yep. And then also how many things are outdated, like long before cell phones. Uh-huh. And- I love that. It's but. so good. That and Seinfeld. I'm obsessed with Seinfeld. I, I mean, I haven't watched it in years, but that was a good one growing up too. Um, okay. I have to know though, I know you said, oh, I have tons of books, but like you have to give us a couple of recommendations if you're so into reading because I'm a big reader too. And um, sometimes I get into these like self-help circles though, where I'm like, okay, what, you know, Atomic Habits, Essentialism. And I'm like, if I can't read one more book like that, but, but there are are some life-changing books that are like you gotta read this book what what are some that you recommend oh gosh okay um some recent ones I would say that have had a good impact on me are uh, let's see Ryan Holiday's stillness is the key I really thought that was super applicable um or just like a super great Help, self-help book in a way mm-hmm. um one of my all-time favorites is the book of joy okay. by um, oh, that one is so full of wisdom but it's also just so it's so there's so much humor throughout it it's um by the dalai lama and desmond tutu okay that one if i had to pick one it might be the book of joy i gave that to everyone in my family for christmas last year um i would say more myself by alicia keys Ooh. was an incredible incredible autobiography um that and untamed by Glennon Doyle which is another great um yeah personal stories uh gosh Tineshe Coates uh Between the World and Me was uh, I'd say a must read um and then not so much self 
help. I mean, a lot of those are, that's a wide variety, but cutting for stone was Sarah gave me cutting for stone. And I really enjoyed reading that through the pandemic as well. Um, Geez. Okay. I don't want to, I don't want to go into too many, but that's uh, probably five or six. (laughs) I would say. Yeah. I love it. And I love the idea of gifting your favorite book. Like that's, that's so smart. It's such a simple gift. And if it brought you joy, it's probably going to bring those people joy. Yeah. Yeah. I love a few of my friends and I will like mail each other books that we've been reading. And I I love sharing, sharing books with people and, and getting recommendations from them too. Cause it's just, it's such a gift. So you kind of hinted, um, about not putting yourself in a box and wanting to run other distances. So one might wonder, what does that mean? <laughs> what other distances are you thinking about running, Rachel? Well, my guess is we'd, you know, probably be moving up rather than down. I don't think anyone, <laughs> I don't think running a 400 is going to, yeah, too much. But yeah, I, gosh, I hope to have a lifelong relationship with running. I can't imagine not, but at some point, I would love to, you know, try a half marathon, a marathon, and and head into the trails and the mm. ultra marathon. We've got an incredible ultra marathon and trail community in Flagstaff, and getting to listen to some of their stories, it's just so appealing to dabble in something totally, totally in a different type of pain world and, yeah, different type of uh, running community, but... I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I love to probably try everything. Yeah. See what I like. So even ultras at some point in your life, it sounds like. Yeah, I think so. What's it like working with uh, Mike, your coach? Is he, he still coaching at NAU and are you one of the only professional athletes that he coaches? Gosh, it's, uh, it's great working with Mike. He's, he's a phenomenal phenomenal coach um yeah I probably don't speak too much it's the you know NAU what NAU is doing is just it's so it's it's a huge privilege for me to witness and they're the energy of being around that team and getting to watch the ways that both the men's and women's team are are growing on individual levels but then as just like their whole team is doing phenomenal stuff and the way they're doing it and the way that they're building this culture and supporting each other is it's, it's really inspiring and motivating for me. Like I, I love when I get to be around um, the men and women's NAU team. So I, I benefit a lot from Mike coaching, like Mike's coaching NAU and, and getting to just be on the outskirts of that. So that's really special. And then, yeah, Mike's also coaching Galen Rupp and that's been really cool to also witness part of that process and that growth too. Oh, wow. I do think now that you mentioned that, I did know that he coached Galen and I totally, yes, I remember reading an article about that. Oh, cool. What has that looked like, you know, like transitioning? I know this has been a long time. You've been working with him for so long, but what is that like as a professional athlete going from like, this is my college coach to this is my coach coaching me as a pro. This is my, this is my actual job now. Yeah, that might came in right at the end of my college career. So in a way I was kind of right towards the end of college was, was kind of already shifting both like mentally and physically into like wanting to be trained like a pro and wanting to like kind of 
transition into that. Mm-hmm. So it was it was a really easy transition. I mean, he, yeah, like we've, we've just kind of always been dialed into my own individual process and, and focusing on um, the steps, like where I'm at and the steps to get me to the next level. So it was never um, like a big, yeah, there's never anything that like kind of was like, oh, this is really, really different now. It, it was more just, all right, now I've got more time to recover and now I've got more time to... <laughs> be able to focus on running but outside of that we've kind of always been dialed into where I am in the journey of of becoming the best I can be and and where that is in the present yeah so before Mike you were coached by coach Miltonberg and I've heard really great things about him as well um how how are their coaching styles different and how did you handle that coaching transition your senior year yeah gosh Mil is he's an awesome coach uh I have so much gratitude for him bringing me into Georgetown and kind of believing in me and taking a chance on me and um, developing me those first, that first part. Cause um, yeah, I was, I was pretty, pretty undertrained in, mm. in high school. So it was really awesome for him to, to help bring me up to the, become a NCAA all American and, and be able to compete at that high level. Um, both of them have, have, I mean, they were both coached by Pat Henner, so they and they were college teammates. So they have um, a lot of similarities in their coaching styles. But the things that I, I would say are the most important, and this resonates with both of their coaching, is is they just at the core of their coaching, it's all about the people and all about the relationship. They're the, the person's relationship to running, the person's relationship with what they're doing in life, and and their relationship as coach athletes. So it's always been way more, both of them, I think at the center is it's, it's about the journey and the process and, and outcomes are great. And like, they are both, they're both such phenomenal coaches in the terms of like knowing what to do for training and knowing how to produce phenomenal results. But I think the thing I admire like the most in their coaching styles is just the way that they do it and what they value and, and keeping those relationships and connections at the, at the core of their coaching. Yeah. It seems like the second a coach loses the, that personal connection, like what's more important, my athlete racing well, or my athletes whole being, um, as soon as that connection is lost, um, a lot can go downhill. So that's really awesome that you've had those experiences with them. Just like, honestly, yeah, I feel so lucky to have, like, my my history of, of who I've had coach me is, I feel really lucky, really lucky and really grateful. Yeah, I was just talking to Allie Ostrander about this specific topic about um, the coach-athlete relationship, specifically in college, and how important it is for coaches to be able to um, like personalize not just workouts but just like the whole training process instead of looking at like this is what the team does and that could get really hard if you have a big team yeah I definitely I sometimes wonder how college coaches are able to do everything they're able to do because especially when when you do value those relationships like it's it's a huge time commitment and there's so much on their plate just outside of the coach athlete stuff going on. Like, I mean, managing teams and directing and it's, it's a lot. These coaches deserve a ton of credit for 
all the things on their plate and all the things they're doing behind the scenes. And it's a lot of it's not glamorous, but they, you can, you can tell the coaches who really love it and who are passionate about it. And what they do is, is deserves a ton, a ton of credit. And they, they're, they go above and beyond. It's amazing. Yeah. I'm curious. You mentioned that you're, um, like going into school, like you had a pretty low mileage base, you weren't running a ton. Um, and then you, you get to college. What is that like as a, as a, someone on the team when you're mixed in with others who might be coming into it with such a bigger base? Like how, how did you see coach Milt handle that with you? I mean, there's a lot to be said for, um, developing an athlete without burning them out. Right. Absolutely. I think, again, like Coach Milt was so good at, at developing each person, like meeting them where they were at with their training and not trying to like just have everyone fit into one training plan of like, mm-hmm. all right, like even if you're coming in at like 25 miles a week, like go around 60 miles a week. Like it was very like, all right, we're going to meet you where you are and here's like your individualized training plan. Um, but I also think so much of success in college is probably it's way more mental than physical. Mm-hmm. Um I think about myself going into Georgetown and I was, I was so excited to be put on a team where the women who are already on the team and even the recruits coming in were way better than I was. And that like had excited me. Like I was like, these women are going to push me and help me to be way better than I am. And I'm going to get to like work out with some of the best in the country. And, And even if that means like I'm getting dropped or even if that means like I'm off the back all the time like it is just such a privilege to get to like you know work with these women and and to be pushed by them and um to get to learn from them so I think a lot of kind of like the the reasons I didn't burn out was kind of the excitement to always be pushed to have others bring out the best in me and and that's a lot of the ways I still try to think of my competitors is, is like they're not it's not like me against them it's it's more like okay how can they help me be the best version of me. And that's how I think lining up a lot of these days. And I mean, this past 10K, it was, it was just exciting. So it's like, oh, we're all here to like help each other run as fast as we can and to bring out the best of each other. So um, I think a lot of, a lot of that's probably more mentality. Who, I'm trying to think who was, were you there with Emily Enfield? Cause you're 30, right? Yep. Yeah. Emily was uh, the grade above me. So we okay. were on the team together for three years. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying to think who who else were you on the team with? That any any names that we might know? Oh wait, I like want to list everybody. So I, I like, know. Wish everybody do ever. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, Emily Infeld was the year above me. You obviously all know her. She's to this day one of my best friends and, and someone who I regularly keep in touch with and talk to and always cheering for her. Um, Renee Tomlin and Kirsten Casper are both professional triathletes who have great shots yeah they they were incredible runners at georgetown but they have great shots at making the uh u.s triathlon olympic team okay so they're still they're still in it and then uh yeah there's just a lot of a lot of women who i was on the team with both older than me and um in my year and even below me that i just had the privilege of, of learning a lot from and growing with and to this day i'm super close to you. Oh, that's so awesome. I love hearing that. Um, talk to us a little bit about your dogs. I know that they're an important part of your life. 
Oh yeah, they're they're a huge part of my life. Um, Mike and I have three dogs. We've got a a Australian Shepherd named Khaleesi, a mix named Bubs, and another mix who I think is we we did a DNA test on him because he was really funny as a puppy. But he's half Great Dane, half Husky, I think, and his name is Dan. Um, so yeah, three three big crazy active super sweet snuggly dogs that we just yeah we love them so much I mean I love that your dog's name is Dan that's amazing how did you name him (laughs) oh that's a good story actually um Mike and I were in Mexico for Thanksgiving two years ago and we were uh driving back to the U.S. and there was some puppies on the street and we were stuck in traffic so we went out and looked at them and there was these two little puppies in a cage, and on the cage it was scribbled "Great Dan," and we were kind of <laughs> yeah. So it, it was meant to say "Great Dane," yeah. but the person forgot the e. So, anyways, we we got one of the Great Dan puppies, and yeah, called him Dan. <laughs> that's so good. And then Bob, tell me about naming Bob because that's awesome too. I I don't really know how he came up with that name. <laughs> we, I don't know. He's just a bub. He's just a big, dopey, sweet dog off the reservation that that Mike's friend rescued and gave to us. And he's been a huge, huge blessing in our lives. But yeah, he's, I don't know how we named him. Yeah, maybe I'll name my next dog Bob. Just Bob. I love that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, How did you and Mike meet? Um, At Georgetown. So Mike's my coach. Oh. Yeah. So, yep. So I'm Mike and I met at Georgetown. He's been coaching me for eight and a half years. And then uh, almost four years ago, not quite four years ago, um, a few years, a little bit of time after moving to Flagstaff, we started dating. Wow. I had no idea. Okay. <laughs> oh, sorry. That was probably confusing. I'm like intermingling those. No, I mean, no, like the name Mike is a super common name. I just didn't know that this was the same person. Wow. What is that like? That's crazy and cool. Yeah, there's a there. I think there's a lot of like awesome things about having your partner also be your coach because it's like extra like extra dialed into like how you're feeling and what you're doing and and getting to like be it's it's really like intimate the way that we get to like work together and and help each other with with coaching. Like I love <laughs> I love getting to yeah witness and and help him in whatever ways with uh with him coaching NAU and and then you know, he's just really in, in tune with what I'm doing and what I need as an athlete. And it's been, it's been special. Yeah. It was totally unexpected, but I think uh Flagstaff really brought us together and um, we'd already, yeah, it was, it's, it's definitely a really cool thing to get to be so involved on a lot of levels. That is so cool. Did you ever feel like people would be like, Oh my gosh, she's dating her coach. Um, no, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of coach athlete couples, so not really. I mean, we were, yeah, I think in Flagstaff, like we had, we had already developed like a friendship at the beginning of like Flagstaff and, um, college had felt so long ago that. Yeah, totally. Kind of like a, yeah, natural like progression to just be seeing each other on, on these levels and, and then, yeah, gradually having that evolve. Um, I don't know. Again, I, I guess I don't really like think or focus on so much what other people no, are yeah. saying. So I don't know. 
Yeah, no, I totally get that. Well, that's so cool, though. And I wonder, too, and this is obviously me just speaking like off the top of my head because I just realized this connection. Um, Does that like make you think any like when he was your coach in college, like, oh, my gosh, I respect him even more, like how much he handled being a coach now that I now that you know him on that deeper, different level. Do you know what I mean? Oh, definitely. Like there are things I think as a college athlete, like you never see all the work that the coach is doing mm-hmm. um, and getting now to like witness just how, how invested they are and how much, how much they're working and how much they're like helping people and taking care of people. Like that's uh, definitely been eye opening now being his partner and, and seeing how much he's giving of himself all the time. Wow. That's so cool. Now, do you ever run with the NAU team? Oh, I haven't been able to that much because of the pandemic um, uh, lately. But yeah, yeah. you know, through through the last couple of years, I'm I'm around. Like I love getting to run with them here and there, and and sync up. You know, sometimes like I'll be working out at the same time as they are. Um, I've definitely gotten to know quite quite or a lot of them, honestly, um, pretty well personally. And and oh, I love love following along their journeys and cheering for them. And yeah, it's super special to witness what what NAU is doing is is a, it's really beautiful it's really beautiful work yeah and so now a couple of his athletes then have gone on and now they're with NAZ right yeah they are mm-hmm. Matt Matt Baxter and Tyler Day are over there and oh, they're in great hands with Ben Rosario but it's it's so fun for Mike and I also just like still get to like see them in Flagstaff and watch this next step in their journey yeah. but they're, they're, they're some great guys what a cool community to to live in I mean it has to feel so cool and I mean Flagstaff has kind of always been you know one of the running meccas you've got Boulder but like it's kind of exploded in the last few years wouldn't you say yeah I do think so I think it's always been known but it's probably much more known um, especially now with social media I think it's it's kind of blown up in a way that um, has put it way more on a lot, a lot more people's radars in the last couple of years. But Flagstaff, I think, has a long, long history as just a beautiful training mecca and an incredible place to to really go deep with running and and hopefully deep with yourself and, and just yeah, put the work in and and see how see how you can become better. Yeah, deep with yourself. I know you also have a coaching business, Joy Running, and it seems like from talking to you and just reading your posts that you have a lot of joy in your own running. How do you keep your joy? Yeah, absolutely. I think um, joy is something I try to keep at the center of my life. It's um, it's a little different than happiness. Like I think happiness is a feeling, but joy is kind of something that you can always always have, even even in those tough moments or even in moments that are hard or sad like just trying to kind of keep things focus on the good and and keep focusing on on all the things that you have in your life to be grateful and and the privilege of being alive and um getting to getting to experience hopefully a full human life in in the body that you're in so um i think sometimes when i can just zoom out a little bit um i realize how much good and how much I have in my life to be grateful for. And and it allows me to be a little bit more present and a little bit more engaged. And, and through that, I think joy is, is just naturally comes. I picture you getting up in the morning and reading something like very thought provoking and like 
joyful pursuing every morning. <laughs> Would you say that's what you do? You know, I do have this this book called uh, The Daily Stoic that um, my Kyra Les Greg at Hypo um, recommended. And it's it's something that, yeah, I like, I think it's a great, like, it gives, it gives like little like quotes at the beginning of, you know, just like thoughtful, thought provoking things. And that's, it's a great way to kind of like start the day and center. And I honestly, my morning habits are something I'm like working on dialing mm -hmm. in because I'm like way too keen to just pick up my phone and be like, all right, email, like mm -hmm. social media. It's like, what's the latest news on, you know, NBC nightly news. And um, I'm like, man, I, I could like start my days out a little bit more mindful and a little bit more like peaceful, but um, yeah, through the day, I definitely am reading and, and I don't know, yeah, reading and meditating and get the privilege of being outside running and hanging out with friends through work. So it's, I got it pretty good. Yeah, it is. It is like really hard, especially if you sleep with your phone by your bed, because I usually just do that so I can like look at the time, right? And then, and then you pick up your phone and you're like, you start scrolling and it's like, I also try really hard to like not start my day like that because I'm like, what do I want the first thing I'm thinking about to be? It doesn't need to be what somebody else is doing on Instagram. That's for sure. But I'm yes. guilty for sure. Oh, same, same. It's, it's actually something like I've lately kind of been like, all right, I need to like work on my morning routine because I agree. Like, I'm like, why is the first thing I'm putting in my head? Like the news and, and email and social media. Like I'm like, that is like, you know, it just kind of leads into you. Yeah. Not, not quite the right way to step foot into the day. Not the right energy. Yeah. It's definitely whatever you first do. It sets the tone for the day for sure. Um, okay. Well, let's, let's do some into podcast questions. Uh, what is something you would like to do still professionally or personally that you have not yet done? Oh, so many things. Gosh. Um, Man, I hope I get the privilege of a long life and can fill it with a lot of uh, a lot of things that I would love to do. But that's not going to help you. So let's see. Professionally, from a running standpoint, we'll go there. Um, I would love. I funny. I was talking to Sarah and Diane about this this morning. Um, we were just talking about some of our like running goals left, and I a lot of my personal best times are like right on the cusp of some like you know barriers of. Mm -hmm sub two and sub four and sub 420 and sub 15 and sub 31 um like just like a few seconds or yeah like very close to all those and I'm like I, I I think it's more in tune of just like personal growth and development but I would love to love to lower those times and maybe break through some of those just totally subjective barriers but um but yeah I think professionally before um taking the next step with running I would just have some unfinished unfinished questions I have on the track about how how good I can be and especially within 2021 so love to make that Olympic team and going to be working really hard these next six months to uh to be the best version I can be in these coming months so um that's very short term but that's kind of where my focus is right now yeah I love that and I love that you have Sarah and Diane to kind of talk through those dreams with and at the same time you know I know you're talking about those barriers but also through this conversation, I know that that internal focus and not necessarily like making those teams and things like that are what is the utmost importance. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. You know, I was thinking about that when you were saying it, I, I 
thought to bring it up and then I forgot. Um, you know who does a really good job expressing that is Steph Bruce. Yeah, Steph is Steph is really really puts herself out there and, and she does a great job expressing a lot of the things that she's she's going through and working on and, and doing in her life and yeah, she's great at articulating a lot of that stuff. Yeah. I, I can't remember, you know, I'm sure she's made multiple posts about it, but definitely in one of the conversations I've had with her on this podcast, I can distinctly remember her talking about how, um, you know, obviously wanting to make an Olympic team is a really big deal, but that's not like what defines her as an athlete or a human or a mom or whatever, you know, I, I'm, I'm probably chopping up the way she said it, but, um, that's really stuck with me for all the years that, since I had that conversation with her. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think, I think Steph is someone who does a good job, like really internalizing what success means to her mm -hmm. and not, not having success just be like a thing that's fed to her by external people or sources. So she's someone who's really dialed in with, uh, with internally knowing what's, what's important to her and, and what's going to make her feel like she's successful. And at the end of the day, that's all that matters. Now you mentioned the barrier though, 3109, what you ran at the recent 10 K that puts you at the eighth fastest all time American 10 K. What it, what is the American record? Do you know? <laughs> uh, I know Molly Huddle has it. Um, Molly got it in Rio. That was, I, I can like vividly remember yes. watching the race. Um, oh, that race was insane. Yeah. I do remember that. It was, yeah, it was a, that was a crazy race. Um, she, she had, it's, thir it's like low 30s. Like, I want to say 30, 25. But, okay, okay. Um, don't necessarily yeah, yeah, yeah. quote me on that. Well, I mean, that's achievable. Does that excite you? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's totally, it's, uh, uh, yeah, I am excited mainly to just keep trying the event and then yeah. to see, throw myself in, in different race settings in that distance and see what happens. But, um, but yeah, gosh, I mean, like just, just thinking about Molly's 10 K's and, and I mean, Molly's one, I don't, I, she's won at least the last five USA 10 K titles and, I just, uh, yeah, there's so many women in this sport, in this country right now that are just doing really, really inspiring things. And the way that they're elevating other people, like, like you asking if, if possibly getting that record excites me, like totally excites me to watch how like we can elevate each other to like, believe that we can hit mm. those times to like, believe that we can all like, you know, like, to reach that level. And, and I think that's the thing that excites me, like watching kind of some of these races that happened over the summer unfold of like, all right, like, you know, like people used to talk about like breaking sub 15 as, as like being like in, insane. And, and now we're like <laughs> this, what American women are doing, like we're, we're bringing it and we're elevating each other to believe like, all right, now we're into the 1420s. And like, that's kind of the mindset that you got to believe like seeing yourself at. So um, yeah, I, I definitely get excited thinking and, and watching and observing what other, what other women are accomplishing and then using that to, to kind of fuel my fire too. That is such a great point. Okay. First of all, by the way, it's 3013. I just looked it up. Um, yeah, even faster. Yep. <laughs> but that's Sorry, less Molly. than, a, that's less than a minute 
by the way, which is really cool, especially coming off your injury and just like this weird year. Um, but I love what you're saying about that too, because it is so true. I mean, it's like the first time someone that, you know, it's like the, the story about the first time the four minute mile was broken. It's like once those barriers are broken, the potential is there. You see the potential in yourself too. So I love how you talk about, um, you know, watching the other American women break those barriers and then seeing that being a possibility. Yeah, absolutely. I think, I think we can all, all use each other to inspire each other and, and fuel each other. So that's uh, definitely something that fires me up. What is an accomplishment you're most proud of? Hmm. It's, it's probably more of a subjective accomplishment rather than, than objective. But I think the reason I am where I am today and something that if, if I was to think of, if, if I have a daughter and, and something that I want to encourage her to do is it's to listen to your heart and to like really, really be in touch with like what, what you want to make of your life and, and the impact that you want to have and, and the way that you want to want to live it and, and to not listen to kind of going back to what we were just saying a few minutes ago, but not listen to what other people define as successful or think that you should do with your life. Um, so I think, I think that there's been some, some moments where I had some big decisions that um, I really did a good job listening to my heart. And, and one of those was going to Georgetown and, mm. and one of those was choosing to continue to run after college, even though I definitely <laughs> did not have any, any sponsorship interest. Um, but be- and then one of those was moving to Flagstaff. And, and I think all the times are of like those decisions of, of listening to my heart, maybe more so than even logic or, or more so than, than what other people might've been saying were, were the things I'm most, most proud of and, and gotten to me to gotten me to where I am today. And, um, I can't imagine not being in Flagstaff and not living this life I am with Mike and, and getting to run at this level. And, um, yeah, I think all, all the things I'm like, all the other accomplishments are byproducts of the accomplishment of really listening to my own inner voice. Wow, that was so well said. That was beautiful. I love it. Just like, ah, so much truth behind that. You'll have to, if you do ever have a daughter, you'll have to write that, write that message down for her to, to read someday. Yeah, which also means, you know, she may not listen to a lot of my advice, but that's okay. (laughs) (laughs) One day, you know, there's always going to be those years where they don't listen. But one day we all come around and we're like, oh, my mom was right. Maybe. <laughs> um, what? Mama, mom always wants what's best. That's or always wants you to be your happiest. That's for sure. Oh my gosh! Preaching to the choir. I'm like, oh, trying to do this virtual learning with my kids right now, and it's like every every struggle. I'm like, I'm doing this because I want what's best for you. And also, every time I say those things, I'm like oh my gosh, I'm a mom. Those are things that moms say. It's it's such a weird, you know, like, oh, I swear I've heard my mom say that 10 times. It's such a weird, uh, weird transition, a weird uh, life-changing thing when you become the person saying the things that you heard your mom say for 20 years. Uh, I can only imagine. I can only imagine. And gosh, that's, uh, I really feel for teachers and parents right now going through this pandemic. And oh, that's got to be so tough. Yeah. yeah. 
It's, it's something. I mean, yeah, I mean, my heart goes out to the teachers. They're, my, my kids' teachers are amazing. The, the staff's amazing. They're doing a great job. But it's just hard for everybody, for parents, teachers, kids, speech pathologists, like anybody, anybody involved. It's a, it's a weird, weird time. Well, we already went through a million books because one of my questions is always at the end, what's the best, most recent book you've read? But I didn't want to like, you know, I, I knew I was going to ask this at the end, but I knew that you had a lot more to say because of our conversation. So that's why I asked you earlier. But do you have, did you have anything like any, any uh, beach reads or any fun reads that you wanted to recommend to the listeners? Oh gosh, that's a great question, by the way. I love, I love when I listen to your podcast, hearing what other people are reading. It's like my um, favorite but, too. I'm like, I get so many yeah. good recommendations. Honestly, that's a great, it's a great question. Um, beach read. I would say Untamed by Glennon Doyle mm-hmm. was like a real good, like low key page turner beach read type book. Who is someone fun, motivating or inspiring you'd like to have coffee, tea or cocktail with? Ooh, okay. I would, if I was to get tea, I think it would be with the Dalai Lama. Mm-hmm. If I was to get a cocktail I think probably right now Alicia Keys after reading her book and getting to learn more about her journey and her artist and creative process I have got to read that book I heard her on uh Dax Shepard's podcast and like must have been like when she was doing her book tour stuff and I kind of had forgot about it so now it's back on my radar oh yeah definitely definitely recommend that book okay uh last question Rachel what is your one message to send to the world one message. Um, I would say try to practice, and, and this is probably because I'm, I'm in this process right now, um, practice zooming in and zooming out and to be really aware of the direct intimate connections that you're making and the distractions that are making you disconnect and then zooming out and really seeing yourself as as just one human in, in this on this rock that's in this massive universe and, and kind of see how how that makes you feel and, and kind of the, all the ways we're all interconnected. I love it. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It was great talking to you. Okay, everybody. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you, Rachel, for coming on the podcast. So excited that I finally got to interview you. You can find Rachel on Instagram. She is Rach. Schneid 18. That's S-C-H-N-E-I-D 18. You can find me on Instagram. I am lindsayhine626. You can find me on Twitter at lindsayhine. I have a Facebook page and group as well. Would love to connect with you there. Don't forget, we started a new parenting podcast. Why is everyone yelling? Definitely give it a try. See what you think. I would appreciate it so much if you're listening to this show or that show, any of the shows in the Sandy Boy Productions Network up and running, the Illuminate podcast. If you haven't left us rating and reviews, that would be a huge, huge help and we would appreciate it so much. Thank you for being here. I so appreciate you. Have a great rest of your Friday and a great weekend. And as always, I will see you next Friday.